Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys going to get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look And don't forget to sign our Facebook Cause what they doing is board games, video games Yeah, they on it, they fly like a comet Interviews is up, this podcast is pure Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure Geek out any topic, no one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it So if you wanna go and get it on Then head to allisgeeks.com Welcome to episode 51 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. And right now, our inner geek is saying, get us some medicine. (laughs) (laughs) And a tissue. We are plague ridden this wonderful episode. And yet, somehow, I think we'll end up sounding better than we did on episode 50. (laughs) I don't know what happened there. I swear Jordan was not in another room. So, Jeff, how far could I... uh... (laughs) Plenty of weirdness going on in that last episode. I don't know. I blame Don. Yeah, it's all Don's fault. I told you to cut blue. You didn't. And apparently, he figured out a way to cut the other two mics. That's right. (laughs) But it was great having Don in here. That That was a good time. Uh, and it was cool that he could join us for number 50. I do not have much for general either. Nor do I. <laughs> you never do. When are you going to start contributing to our general discussion? <laughs> I am bringing the cough. <laughs> yeah, we're both bringing the cough. It's awesome. And the voice change. Mrs. Johnson, can your daughter come out and play? <laughs> you know, I, I talked a little bit about it in like real briefly in our news, in the geek news, but the fifth street contest is in the semifinalists. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And there are quite a few finalists that I know and some of the games that I know. So I think that's kind of cool. But there's two that I wanted to kind of give official shout outs to, uh, and congratulations to one of them is Sheppy, David Shepard, who, if you remember when I was talking about when I was at Protospiel, Michigan, uh, the unnamed space game that I, I had talked about that was David Shepard's. That was one of his games. Uh, that was one that drew a lot of interest at Protospiel. He submitted it. He got it done and submitted it to this contest. I think he has a, another game. I know he's got one with, uh, with, with Sean Howard, who is, uh, the review over at Gamers Remorse. Those two collabed on a game. So that's in the semifinalists as well. So congratulations to those guys. And then congratulations to my, uh, co-designer collaborator, Bill. So Bill Paterno from Past That Shit, he's got a game in the contest. The one that's kind of been holding us from doing our design full time because we, we wanted to give him enough time to get his design done and submitted to this contest. And it was definitely worth it because he is in the top 20 right now. Right now it's up to our friend Phil over at Fifth Street Games. He gets to go through the top 20 and decide on, uh, you know, five to seven or something like that. And, and then those will get made kind of like they did for us. They'll get made, they'll get sent to him and then those get played. So right now he's judging off of rules and action shots and all that kind of stuff. So congratulations to those guys. Savagery, revenge, treachery, malevolence, ferocity, ruthlessness. Storyception Games presents a game from the Apocalypse Universe. Choose your hero, 
prepare for battle. Fight, survive, become a champion. Now is the time to enter the Galactic Arena. Storyception games are bringing together the worlds of science fiction literature and tabletop gaming in a way never done before. They are set to release a series of five games, all based in a massive, detailed and evolving science fiction world, the Apocalypse Universe. The first game from this collection is the beautifully illustrated Galactic Arena, a two to six player, fast paced, customizable, tactical battle game. One fight lasts 15 minutes, but no two fights are the same. In the Apocalypse Universe, heroes fight to entertain the crowds, single combat or team versus team, choose your champions, choose their abilities, and choose your destiny. A world existing on thin promise. The next apocalypse threatens the galaxy while heroes bleed to entertain the crowds. Many fight for glory and riches, but few see the truth behind the galactic arena. Apocalypse Galactic Arena, on Kickstarter now. Game review. This should be a lot of fun. <laughs> now we both have to talk and not this talk. will be a great, great editing exercise for <laughs> me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a look at Glass Road. Go for it. <laughs> Glass Road by uh, Uwe Rosenberg of Agricola fame. In this game, you take the role of uh, a glassmaker in the Bavarian forest in Germany. Uh, and you and up to three other players, one to four players, trying to become the most dominant uh, glassmaking concern in the Black Forest. It is much more interesting than that sounds. <laughs> but I bought this game solely for the fluff because it's Black <laughs> Forest, it's Germany, it's... uh some of my heritage and it was described as everything that was good about Agricola without getting your balls kicked every round. So I figured I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so glass road. If they don't put that on the box. <laughs> <laughs> well, right at the back page, it's who he says <laughs> it's a game across four rounds. Each round consists generally of uh, the building phase. It actually takes place over four building phases is technically the, the instruction where each player uses one of his 15 specialists to manipulate his table or his resource dials. Each player has two big pieces of cardboard. One has spinner dials for his resources. Uh, one tracks the resources that makes glass. The other tracks the resources that make bricks. The other part of his board is his little track of land where he has the three starting buildings and his starting ground types. So you have forest, <laughs> grove, ponds, sand pits, and then a couple uh, blank tiles or blank squares that you can then put tiles on. And each round, you use your specialists that'll allow you to manipulate your board somehow. Remove forests, add smaller things like the sand pits or, or the ponds, or buy new buildings. And that is the third uh, big piece of cardboard componentry is the buy area where there are three types of buildings. There are kind of production buildings that let you do things, convert sand to or convert 
wood to coal convert. It's your conversion stuff. It's kind of the miniature version or an ongoing version of your specialists. The second row is immediate effect stuff. You buy it, you put it down, you immediately get wood. You immediately get coal. You immediately get something, some kind of immediate resource bonus. And then the third row is kind of goal-related buildings. You get uh, victory points for every contiguous grove that you have or victory points if you have a two-by-two set of sand pits or something like that. So all these buildings have some kind of victory point value to them. The third row generally has the highest return, that is, in terms of victory points. The middle row being the one-shot thing has kind of a medium victory point value, but gets you an immediate in-game resource bonus. And then the top row being your economy, I saw kind of a a different, uh, a pretty wide range between like one and three in the victory points up there. Each player starts with a set number of resources, and these are use uh, little wooden pogs on your resource style. And this is one of the interesting mechanics of the game. It's not interesting once you figure it out. It's actually kind of irritating (laughs) until you figure it out. But it's a good way of not having to have six stacks of all your different resources. It's Each spinner dial is divided into two sections, one for your glass, which is the resource you make with all your other resources, one for brick, which is the resource you make with all your other resources on that dial, and then the other side is all the resources that you may, you need to make the glass or the brick. Uh, you start the game with between one and four of all the resources, except on each dial, one of your resources starts at zero. So you cannot immediately make a glass or a brick. The good thing about this game, though, is it's it, it's kind of... The resource dial is state-based. Every time you do something, you check to see if you have changed your resource dial such that you can now make a glass or a brick. And if at any time you can, the dial rotates to the right, so all your resources that go into making the glass or the brick go down, but then your glass and your brick count has gone up. So rather than having a stack of six food and five coal and three wood and no sand, for instance, and you're making change and doing things, uh, you just have one marker on everything and you move the markers to the appropriate numbers or you move the dial to mat to eat up the appropriate dead space. And this is the true for both the, the wood and the glass. And that is an instantaneous thing. Any action you take with any uh, building on your board or a card you play, as soon as that action procs, if you have now changed your resources enough that you can make a glass or a brick, uh, you have to do that. There's no waiting. So occasionally, due to bad planning, you might screw yourself out of the clay you needed to, to do something <laughs> because you've accidentally made a brick. <laughs> you need these resources not just to uh, make the glass or the brick. Every building on the uh, uh, on the upgrade table has a building cost, some combination of wood, glass, brick, and clay. Obviously, the least valuable buildings are a little bit cheaper to get out. The highest return on the victory points are a little bit more uh, convoluted to get out. You need both clay and brick, but to get the brick, you need to spend your clay. So you got to keep your eye open sometimes, uh, planning, you know, maybe a couple turns how you're going to get that building rather than just dropping it all in one turn. Although that can be done. So as I said, each player is 15 specialists. It's, uh, it's up to four players, and each player has the same 15 cards. 
I'm not going to go through all of them because I don't have the voice for that right now. <laughs> but each player has 15 cards, and they all do something that let you manipulate your player board. You've got uh, some of the basic stuff that lets you strip your forest and in return get resources like wood, charcoal, or whatever. Uh, you've got other things that spend one resource to get some of another or other things that allow you to put down a new type of geography. So you've got things like somebody that lets you do a put a pond down or something that lets you do a create a sand pit. And then there's a few that are more uh, game manipulative rather than board manipulative. There's uh, a dude that gives you resources, just straight up two resources and everybody else one of the same. And then you've got a dude that lets you take buildings from the buy pile. Well, that are not on, not available yet, but it's just from the stacks to put into your own private uh, buy pile that only you can buy from and stuff like that. So there's resource creation, resource manipulation, uh, board manipulation, and then game manipulation. 15 cards. Each round you select five. This is totally your choice. You can play the same five cards each of the four rounds if you want, but I think that would be inefficient. And you'll set aside the other 10. You will go through three rounds of laying face down in the three or four player game. There are variant rules for one and two, which deal with the cards a little bit differently. But I'm just going to talk about the three or four because I looked at solo play rules and I don't know why you'd do that. <laughs> and the two player game is not that bad. Uh, really, it's just uh, how cards are revealed are a little bit different. But that that's neither here nor there. So a three, four player game, uh, you put your your first card each round down face down in front of you. The first player reveals their card. Uh, let's say it's the Slash and Burn Forest. It'll have whatever its cost to play on the left-hand side of the card. Uh, and that might be, you know, remove one of your forests or spend a, a bucket of water to get some food or something like that. It'll have its cost on the left-hand side and then what its actions are on the right-hand side. So you play your Slash and Burn Farmer and everybody else at the table checks to see if they have the Slash and Burn Farmer in their hand. If they do, they get to play it for free out of turn. If nobody has a slash and burn farmer, if nobody has the card you've played in their hand, you get to do both things on that card. So, for instance, slash and burn farmer, its top action is get to coal, and its bottom action is get to coal. So if nobody else plays a slash and burn, you get to do both, you get four coal. All the specialists have multiple actions on them. If at any point you've played the slash and burn farmer, but it's not in your hand, it's not your turn, it's not in your hand... When it comes to your turn, you reveal you also have the Slash and Burn Farmer. Since it wasn't in your hand, if, again, nobody has the Slash and Burn Farmer, if somebody that hasn't played yet in the round still doesn't have the Slash and Burn Farmer in their hand, and they shouldn't <laughs> yes. if they've been paying attention, <laughs> yeah. even though it's already been played this round, you still get to do both actions. So most cards have two act well, all the cards have two actions but some of them are more situational than others you know the resource gatherers give you multiples of the same resource the resource traders give you multiples of a couple different resources if you can get them both uh some things let you add property to your uh to your board and build some give you two builds so if you can get the, the builder out on your turn and nobody else has the builder in their hand you can build two things that turn instead of just one so you're going to do this three times. You're going to play three cards over the course of a build phase. You have a hand of five. In theory, you want to be paying attention to what the other people around you are so that you can have your three primary goals that you want to get done that turn and maybe vulture in a couple extra things. 
course, everybody's thinking that and everybody has different goals that round based on what they've built and what goals they might be working towards. So you maybe get screwed out of two actions. If both people throw down the sand, uh, the sand pit, then you're not going to get the sand pit and the extra resources. You're going to get one or the other. Everything resolves in from active player clockwise, but there's nothing causing one person to not take one of the actions on the card. Just because the person whose turn it is takes the get one pit and one sand doesn't mean the player who's next in line can't do the same thing. You're not required to take the other action on the card. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not you get one action or two from the card. You're going to use your specialists to manage your board to get your builds or to hopefully impede somebody else's progress. A few times we ran into things where we all had the same card, but because it wasn't in our hand at the time, we all got to proc the same card twice. And then quite a few times we ran into, we were going to play those cards, but unfortunately we didn't get them out in order. So there were a couple of rounds where we all had to make the tough choice of what we were going to do. And there there were rounds where they were less efficient than they should have been because people were poaching each other's actions. I think the way you play your specialists and their options of, of how to manipulate your board and whether you get both actions or not, that's kind of a cool mechanic for the game. So anyways, you've got these five actions you're going to, five specialists you're going to use every turn. There are four build phases. In a four-player game, it just goes around the table. In a three-player game, at the end of the third build phase, the person with the fewest number of buildings on their table is first player. Occasionally that results in one person having, you know, the first player token a couple of turns in a row. It's a balance, but I don't think it was the right way to balance it because you could theoretically, if you've been working that last row of buildings, have fewer buildings, but be much higher in the victory point category if you've completed them. So I don't necessarily know that was the best way to determine the fourth player or the fourth round start in a three player game. But it only applies in the three-player game, so I guess it's it's not that big a bugaboo. So you're going to do four build phases. You're going to manipulate your board, build, deck other players as much as you can. And then at the end of the fourth round, you'll tally victory points. Uh, like I said, the starting players, the starting board has three starting buildings that generate some victory points. And then every building that you place has a victory point value in the top right corner. Some of them are variable if you complete you know, like uh, one of mine was if you get the two by two grid of groves, it's worth four points. The immediate action buildings are generally a kind of a mid-range thing. And if it's variable, it explains what the variable is. Yeah, like mine was two points per set of the three different types of terrain you could have. Right. So I was collecting sets for the game. It's a simple thing, but it's a, it's a good way of doing a simple tie break. One of them is a half point for every sand you have. Which it's like, well, why, why bother with a half point? But that just say it, it, it's kind of a, I think designed as the built in tiebreaker because it'll be hard to get to the same VPs and the same sand for, for two people. But at the end, after the fourth round, you totally up all your victory points and highest VP is the best glass house. So don't throw stones. All right. Components. Lots of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Lots of good cardboard. Good quality thick cardboard. I thought what I don't, I didn't think there was anything off about it or anything. I mean, it was, it was no, the player product. board. Oh, I, I guess I should say there, the one difference between the three and four player game, the three player game, there's four squares for buildings in the buy area, four player game, there's five. So a few more buildings out there. But yeah, componentry, nice thick cardboard. It's glossy. The wood, uh, resource markers. Yeah. You, you got to sticker them. Um, I'm out. <laughs> I can tell. Um, but overall, yeah, pretty good. The cards are nice and thick. 
Uh, you know, there's only 60 cards, so they could splurge since it's all the same thing, just with a different colored back. You, you say you can tell, but you see the end of that row right there, right before Shadow Rod? Mm-hmm. Those three games just recently made it back into the collection because Megan finally put the stickers on. <laughs> <laughs> those, those three games right there have never been played because they needed stickers. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you talked about a little bit too, the, the, uh, spinner tracker, which was kind of, I mean, it was, it was decent. It, it didn't take long to get used to, at least I didn't think so, but probably for maybe, I think Sarah had a little more concern with it just because coming from a more casual perspective, I think I, I would assume, you know, Megan didn't play with us, but I would assume Megan would kind of, it would take her a little bit to catch on to that too. It's almost like, you know, people over at the Game Crafter keep joking about, they keep waiting for the Game Crafter contest to be spinner centric, like make that the requirement. It's almost like this was like, well, I've done it. <laughs> here's how you can use a spinner. I win. (laughs) And be successful. So it wasn't bad. And it was, we talked about it a bit. It'd be nice to to just collect your resources and and whatnot. But at the same time, this kind of puts that in. It's harder to forget that you've made a glass or or a brick than just say everything. Oh, wait a minute. I got enough here to, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it was was good. It was fine. I I I think the way your resources can vary even off turn. I think this is a good way rather than having to move stuff around yeah. off turn or, you know, if you've got the building, you know, and you can proc something three or four times to get, you know, you lose three, but then you gain nine of something, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a better way than making change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mind it at all, really. Okay. So mechanics, you started to kind of talk about it when you were talking about it, the game, but overall, what did you think of most of the mechanics for this? Mechanically, I think it's pretty sound. There's a bit of a learning curve, but it's not due to the game itself. It's it's learning the best use of your specialists, and then learning all the um, all the buildings and, and what the build. Well, at least what the production buildings right. do. But that is the game. So how is that not the game itself? <laughs> well, once you learn what you're going to do each round, yeah, play a card, proc a card, yeah, that, do something. Those three things. Those are simple. <laughs> mastering the intricacies of each <laughs> specialist and what the buildings mm-hmm. do for you. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a learning curve there. Yeah. Right up front, this was a game I didn't think I was going to like at all. because That's why I picked it. I know you did, you bastard. Obviously, I'm not a Agricola fan. That's well known. <laughs> you know, it's not my favorite game by any means, but it was a decent game. It was it was well put together. It It really does not suffer from what really irks me in Agricola. It's tighter. It's, in that it's not a Griclaw. It is not a Griclaw. <laughs> it plays a lot better. Yeah, like you're talking about. I mean, there's that whole. We'll talk about it in teachability, but it's not a. It's not a new player. It's not a game that I'd want to teach all the time for sure. No. But just by the mechanics, there are some cool things going on here. I really did like it. I like the. You had the 15 cards. Yeah, you have to get used to those. This is definitely. Again, I'm kind of poaching into teachability and rules but this is a uh, this is almost a definition of the type of game that that you use the term learning game with because the first game first two games maybe even are the learning games because you get used to those those things and and how you're getting your victory points and all that kind of stuff and how all that synergy kind of comes together but those 15 cards and once you start getting used to them once you understand what they do and picking out five you're going to have more issues with you know what the cards are. You just 
there's some you don't want to leave out, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or again, the Princess Bride moment where it's like, well, if I add this one in, will, and Jordan's going first, will he reveal that one so I can get it as an extra action and screw him down to one action? Uh, and then somebody else will flip your action that you really wanted to play, but not first. So you don't have it down already or something like that. Like, like you had an order to them. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I did that, you know, like the pond, the food, the belt, you know, that kind of thing. So all of that kind of stuff really works well together. The dial is kind of cool. You also have a, a max on either side. You can only make so much brick. You can only make so much glass. You can only have so many resources. And the, the buildings, the buildings took a little bit extra because there are a couple, you know, the, the fact that like the top level buildings can be used multiple times and at any time and, I didn't catch on to that right away, so I didn't really buy anything there right away. But towards the end of the game, I did. I bought more like I bought like a couple one shots and and that kind of thing. But I think it again, it all works really well together, and I really did enjoy the mechanics of this game. And it's it's one that I would definitely play again. All right, so the rules. You went over the rules, sir. The rules are desert dry. There is a lot of imagery in here. And a lot of text. And this type of rule book is my bane. It <laughs> is, I would rather have a 300 page rule book with kind of one or two concepts explained with pictures, you know, each way, each page. But this is just wall of text, wall of text, pictures, wall of text, pictures, wall of text. And occasionally an Uwe says, you know, insert. <laughs> Now, I did not enjoy reading this at all, and I did not find it to be the most helpful rule book I've ever played. I read it. I went and watched a video, decided that uh, what I read wasn't right, watched a different video that confirmed it. <laughs> so then I went and read the rule book again based on having seen some plays, and then it made a lot more sense to me. It's not poorly laid out. Everything is nice and it's color block the inserts the images are all very well done everything that you need is in here i just found it a slog to get through that aside everything you need to play the game is in here i needed some video help for it to make sense but then at the end the last uh four or five pages is a very good glossary of what your specialists do and then what all the buildings in the game do so the yeah, obviously the 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 buildings t- tiles are small, so you can't mm. get you know really descriptive in there. It's 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 icons, you know, one coal bucket for you know, or one tree for two coal buckets kind of thing. But uh, the specialists and the the buildings are really well described here, and both the front and the back have a bit of fluff about the history of glass making in, in the Bavarian forest. So the rule book itself, it will get you into the game. But I, I would recommend reading it and then doing a, uh, watching a video as well. How it's played. Watch it played, I should say. I think they did a, they did a good job of it. So now we get to the teachability, which I keep trying to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, this, I don't think it's the most casual friendly game. Sarah did end up saying that she enjoyed it. There was just a lot going on and, mm-hmm. and, and she needed probably another playthrough or, or two. Uh, and I can totally see that. I mean, somebody that plays these type of games all the time, like I said, this was the definition to me of a learning game. It was like, I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying. I'm just trying to make sure I understand all of the concepts. So maybe the next time or the time after that, maybe then I'll start grabbing some strategies. Cause there were a lot of times 
where I wasn't sure 100% what I was kind of doing at the start and, and why I was doing it, but it didn't take that long for it to click with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a casual gamer is probably going to have a, a little more of an issue. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if this is the type of game, but it's a good game. It's a solid game. I don't know if it's one that I would want to be teaching a lot. What do you think? The teaching side of it is not that bad if you've got somebody that's played a yeah. Rosenberg game or this type of game. Right, yeah. I wouldn't want to do a table of three people that have never played this type of game before. Yeah. See, that's, and I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, you know, February's coming around the corner. Kind of the North will be coming up and the walk in and play area. And I'm thinking, if I own this, I don't know if it would make it into the bu- into the tub for that weekend. I mean, and not a bad game. Like I said, I'd play it. I just don't know if I want to be sitting there trying to teach it all the time. And, uh, and, and you know what? And you kind of said it. It's not that the foundation is not that hard to get your head around. It really right. isn't. So it's, it's everything else that kind of interacts with the foundation. Yeah. As long as you tell, if you got a table full of new people, you know, like at the Connor of the North or a game day or whatnot, as long as you tell them, don't aspire to double digits and don't aspire <laughs> to master the game on the first, first playthrough. Just sit and take it in. Oh, you mean it was good that I I did really well getting to double digits? Yeah. You know, don't uh, don't master the game. This is not a game that you're gonna get a real your first or, or maybe this is just my mentality. Most games I go in the first time I'm gonna play. It doesn't matter how easy or hardcore the game mm-hmm. is. I just want to go in there and make sure I leave the game understanding what I did. Same here. Yep. So as long as you leave this game feeling okay that <laughs> you enjoyed this game for your first playthrough, I think that's that's what you should, you know, tell new players. Just make sure you like the game. Don't care that you came in last. Don't <laughs> don't be impressed that you came in first if you're in a table of four new players. There's an entire group listening to us right now whose heads just exploded from anger. What do you mean? No! Always win! <laughs> Uh, kick one of those new players out and take a chair so you can crush them. <laughs> All right. So theme, you said the theme attracted you. So yeah, I mean, there's more theme in the fluff. He gives, you know, a bit of, a bit of history about, like I said, uh, the Bavarian area, the, the Bavaria area and, and glass making and its history and, and what it is in the modern day. And then that's at its strongest, but still at, in in the cards and in the buildings it's there you do get this kind of kind of middle centuries feel to the cards you know nobody's gonna walk through austin hey can i build a pit for you you know that kind of thing so there there is a definite feel of not being in modern times here and the buildings uh seemed in my limited understanding of you know from what he gave us in the fluff (laughs) accurate but in the end i wasn't really looking at the building names i was looking at what what they do for me so i mean the theme is there oh it's euro and the theme is light whoa the theme is there and it looks nice and i think it all works well together yeah the theme is light to me i don't know what i was expecting but i was expecting something different there's no glass in here well i mean that's kind of that's kind of what i got out of it i mean i expected something more centrally focused around glass or glass making or glass blowing or something like that. And I never really felt anything Each like Each game that. comes with a 3,000 yeah. degree oven. <laughs> <laughs> and a glass tube. But no, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I never, it's a good game. It's a good Euro. It's a thin theme for me because I never felt 
much about what I was collecting resources for. And it was just all kind of, we said it was a good thing because you don't have to think about it or make change and stuff, but it was just all kind of auto turn the dial and, and that kind of thing. And, and you get more upset about not thinking ahead to keeping something at zero so you could collect like your clay mm-hmm. than you would about, Oh my God, I, you know, I, I get all this. And the, and the, the fact that you could only produce such a limited amount of glass too, like you could only ever have three. Mm-hmm. And then you're done. Now we're calling this resource gathering <laughs> road. <laughs> so I don't know. It was, it was a little bit off for me as far as theme is concerned, but it's a Euro. I can live with that. And it was really more about the planning and the road to victory for me. And, you know, like I said, Hey, I got this building that lets me work on sets and get more victory points. I'm going to work on sets. Mm-hmm. That's what it was more to me. And I was completely happy in that space. All right, so uh fun factor slash overall. I enjoyed this game. This is, yeah, it's probably not going to break seven. This is a game I would like to play again. This is a game that I definitely want to play again, but this is like a once a month game. This is not a game that I want to break out every week because it does get a little bit too mathy for my <laughs> liking. I, I, I don't mind that every now and then, but when I've got a pick my five cards and then make sure that I've got the in theory three cards that are going to get my dials to where they need to be so I can get to that building and do I have two backup cards just in case somebody dicks me on the first round you know I like all that but I don't want to do it every week I enjoy it it is light for this style of game it is not a it's definitely not an intro game and it's not a except for maybe this type of game well if you like this play caverna or vice versa Mm -hmm. you know but if you like ticket to ride let's bust out glass road no there's there's (laughs) no crossover there um i like it i definitely want to play it again but to give it a number yeah not a 10 for me Uh, not that there's anything bad it's just it's just not a game i want to get to the table every week yeah i'm i'm right there with you um going into this i was ready to not like the game (laughs) so i was all set to be like i mean i i almost got dragged kicking and screaming to the table. I just was not looking forward to this one at all. And I was pleasantly surprised. And that's one of the things I like. I've talked about it before, but I like about us reviewing games and trying to keep the open mind. And, you know, even though, I mean, I, you know, when we were talking about it, I could have just went, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not playing that game, you know, and I like it when things like this happen. Like, I'm not going to like this game. Oh, this is a pretty decent game. This, this is, this is decent. And it's not the major brain burner. That's kind of nice. It is, like you said, on the, the lighter side of a meteor <laughs> euro, I guess. I don't know. You're not worried about whether the debt collector is putting your family in prison yeah. or if they're dead at the side of the <laughs> yeah, road. That, that's, you know, nice it's, <laughs> it, it is kind of the lighter side of this type of game. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was very enjoyable, but you're right. It's not something that, you know, I'm going to be like, all right, Jordan, bring that over next week again and, you know, do this and that or the other thing. But from time to time, if it gets broken out or somebody says, hey, we've, you know, we've got time to play something. How about Glass Road? I'm there. I'll, I'll play it. But yeah, just not, I'm not looking forward to it weekly. <laughs> so there we go. That's our uh, look at Glass Road, coughs and gravelly voices and all. <laughs> it's the glass in our throats. Yeah. Did you hear about the glass blower that inhaled and got a pain in his stomach? Uh, I'm done with you. (laughs) 
watching. So I had mentioned it last time, but Falling Skies finale happened. So we watched that. That was uh, pretty decent. Again, that's a show that we've kind of been enjoying. I know Jordan is not on board. Uh, you'd be happy to know. I'm so far off board. I didn't even know there was a ship. Next season is the last season though. So you'll be happy to know that. And then it looks like for the final season, they're potentially introducing a new alien race. So this will be the third, I think that we've, we've met during the show. Fourth, if you count the alien human hybrid, (laughs) just bring the Protoss and call it done. So I've been, I've been enjoying that. Some people compare it to the alien version of the walking dead. I can see it. But it's it's been enjoyable. We've been along for the ride. Uh, Defiance's finale. Did you catch up on Defiance? Oh, we got still? seven of those on the DVR now. Such a good show. Yep. Great finale. As uh, I recall, anyway. Yeah. Great finale. Great. I mean, just, I don't know if there's anybody in that show I don't enjoy in their role. I really can't think of anybody. Yeah, even the villains. Yeah. Well, not necessarily I mean, villains. Even the people that are the not protagonists. Yeah. They're very good at being not protagonists. So I haven't heard anything, and I told you a while back I was a little concerned because they were, uh, you know, they, they've been live tweeting during the show, a bunch of the actors, and at one point they were doing... Save Defiance! The, save Defiance, yeah, or Renew Defiance, I think it was. So I don't know what that was or if it was just they were trying to be proactive because they hadn't heard anything yet either. Uh, and it was about mid-season, I think, that started up. So I haven't heard anything. I hope they renew it. It's uh, it's a it's a great show. I, I've been enjoying that one quite a bit. Doctor Who, of course, just got the third episode now, right? Yeah, we just watched the third one. Uh, that was fun. What did you think of the 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 dialect one? I liked it. Yeah. I really liked it a lot because it was they haven't turned Capaldi into the shiny happy person yet. No, so I'm hoping that he's not ever going to turn into that. And it harkened back really nicely to. The, uh, Eccleston Epdalek and it, it gave a good, a good reference point where, for where the doctor is right now. All the Daleks sees is hate. He doesn't know what he is. Uh, Jenna Coleman isn't sure what he is. Are, am I a good man? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you left me to the robot people last week. I'd say no. I really liked it and I thought it was light years better than, than the premiere. Yeah. Eccleston wasn't the Davros one, right? That was. Tenet? No, in, in, no, I, I know what you're talking about, but it also hard. It, it was also a good callback, I think, to the, the tenant. It was tenant in Davos, was tenet, right? Yeah. Where they were like, you know, you're no better than me, that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And this kind of called back to that for me too. It was like, oh, you know, him trying to. Well, the thing is, I didn't like that app because <laughs> that poached far too much on Genesis of the Daleks mm-hmm. and a very similar app that. And conversation that Tom Baker had with, with Davros. Mm-hmm. And that was, to my mind, weak writing and use of nostalgia rather than content. <laughs> but this pairing, the one that I think is clearly right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was good. I've been enjoying it so far. The Robin Hood one was not that bad. Wasn't, wasn't that bad. It was, to me, didn't it seem like now we're kind of, we're on this like ebb and flow thing. Cause it was like the intro to dialect into the dialect In, into the dialect. Was, uh, it was kind of a heavy app. Yeah. It was heavier. And then all of a sudden they went into this Robin Hood thing yeah. and it was the, the him bickering with Robin Hood the whole time and okay. both I, being kind of buffoonish. I can only say this here because you don't care. <laughs> okay. I, I can't say it at home. Sarah will don't worry. Mad. Nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, so we got we've got the knights, okay, and their helmets pop open and they have the eye lasers. How bad is your programming that if you're a robot with an eye laser and everybody around you has reflective <laughs> materials, why don't you just pull out the sword that you've been shown to actually know how to use? All right. Um, plot Moving. device. Hello. <laughs> it's ebb and flow for me so far. It's like the premiere was, eh, okay, I can handle it for a transition episode and it was all right for what it was, but it wasn't spectacular. And then the Into the Dalek, that was a pretty decent episode. I really like that. And then the Robin Hood one, I was just like, mm, not sure here mm-hmm. how I feel about this one. Uh, okay. So face off. Still watching that. One of the most recent ones we watched was the judges challenge, which was kind of cool because the judges actually took over and made some creations and had, uh, contestants from previous seasons come on and, and help them out. And they were, each of them were, were trying to do it for a charity or something. Whoever won got to donate towards their charity. <laughs> it was kind of cool, but at the same time, it was kind of awkward because it was the judges had a charity and, Money got donated to that charity. And then the contestants that were coming back got money. So I was like, yeah, your charity just got a bunch of money. And these guys behind you got money. Yeah, I got money. I'm not giving it to your charity, though. Taking it home. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I got to buy supplies. It was, just, it was that weird thing. But it was it was kind of cool. And it was kind of cool to see them take over. And, you know, they're there they're judging all the time. And it, quite a few times they're like, this is really hard, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So that was always fun. American Ninja Warrior. Been watching that. That one's about to go on to the next obstacle. So they, they just did stage one, I think. And got down to, I think they're down to like 18 people left or something like that. After that. Party Down Season 2. Still watching that off and on. And Legends. Started watching. Have you watched How that? How is that? Um, we only watched the first. How times has he died? We've only watched the first episode. That was kind of funny. It's like, he lived. Spoiler. He lived. But it's kind of funny because during the show and towards the end, all of a sudden they do this, I don't know why we ended up, why, I don't know, Megan, Megan's usually on the remote, so she must have been on her tablet or doing something. So we watched part of commercials or something like that. And it's, it's not until she realizes I'm staring at her or something that she pops up and fast forwards. But all of a sudden they're just like, like he's been stabbed, shot, beheaded. <laughs> but now you'll see Sean Bean like you've never seen him. It's like, <laughs> they they just went all in on he's always dying but not this time you know kind of thing they, so they had a commercial for the show you're watching during the show playing on the fact that he's always killed <laughs> but it's Sean Bean he's an awesome actor he did a really good job in this first episode this that's as far as we got we we've, we've been power watching a bunch of stuff so now this is what we're on we finally cleared pretty much everything else off and you know the premise right he's like the under undercover mm-hmm. spy guy and the the legend thing is you know creating the background story and everything that goes along with it to keep you undercover and he's supposed to be like one of the greatest ever but it was like four out of five psychologists said he should never work again they're like but what did that fifth one say he's probably the greatest legends creator we've ever That'll ever be or something, like that, you know, so because he, he can do it on the fly. He gets really into it and he's like, you can, he transforms and gets into like accents and a, and a stutter and everything just starts coming up with his whole backstory and everything. But there's some, there's that whole potential f- fractured personality thing. So like, when is he not? When is he and when is he not? You know, who he thinks he is. And then there's this outside 
person that's trying to tell him that maybe he's not who he thinks he is and is kind of shadowing him and stuff and all that. So it, it's a, it was a good, it was kind of a self-contained, at least so far, it seems like the first episode was a self-contained, contained story about where he was undercover and stuff, but served as a jump off point for this. Are you who you think you are? Are they arc. letting him be, you know, European or is he trying to push out like a cheesy American accent? Well, I think, what was, it? I think when he was himself, he was European, but like he was, he's in, he's in America or he was for, for this one. He was in the U.S. and he was a part, he infiltrated like a U.S. militia. So he was doing the American accent with the stutter and the, the down on his luck kind of, I need to get back at America, you know, hmm. kind of thing to be in part of this militia. So it, it was, it was entertaining. It was very good. And, I, and it was, it was good to see. You know, Sean Bean stretching himself there and, and, and living past Whoa, an episode. Goatsy. Not what? What? <laughs> uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And then we power watched and caught up with Ray Donovan. We had like six or seven of those that were piled up. So we watched all of those. We still like that show. I know you gave up on it like a few episodes into the first season. We liked the first season, although it has one of the biggest WTF moments in the world for me. First season. It's almost so bad. Like Hollywood Babylon does that shit that should not be where they take pieces of movies that people that send into them and say, how the hell did this happen? You know? And, uh, and every once in a while they do one for TV. I almost want to send in last season. There was a, there was an episode last season where he, where, where Ray was confronting this big dude that likes to go to like a Chinese buffet as soon as they open kind of thing. And he walks in and he, he confronts him and they sit down at the table and every cut, the food on the table changed. I mean, like drastically, like at one point there, he's talking to him. He's also, and there's like, there's huge mounding plate of like fried rice and everything. And then the next cut, it's like watermelon and strawberries and stuff. And then it goes back and they're fried rice. I'm like, and I'm like, what the hell? And Meg's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what are you? And I rewound it for her. I'm like, how, what? How did that happen? It was so ridiculous. So then ever since that episode, the rest of last season, Megan and I kept grabbing things like, eh, why is that that way? So they did it a lot first season. That aside, <laughs> it's a fun show. We've been enjoying it. What's his name? Uh, John Voight is great in it as the, just the, this old kind of scamming father that, you know, is always looking for his angle and how he's going to get money and really will, you know, sell out his family in a heartbeat and that kind of thing. It's, we're enjoying it. It's, it's definitely been a fun show. We're glad we're caught up now. In fact, we got caught up and watched the one that was recording the, the night we caught up. So we're fully caught up. Let's see. And then I power watched the first two seasons of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that at all? Yeah. At first I was a little off put by it because you know, it's that it's the, was it Disney XD or something like that? And uh, I just watched on Netflix the uh, first two seasons and it's kind of a cross between, I mean, it's, it's a Spider-Man show and then he's teamed up with the what, white tiger and power fist and iron man or uh, uh, power fist and, and or power man and iron fist and uh, Nova and part of shield, you know, so Nick Fury's there and then they, the Avengers are kind of in and out, usually one at a time kind of thing. It kind of keeps going back and forth between it's a, it's a really decent kind of team show that way. And then it cuts to the kind of kitty chibi, like when he's thinking about inside his head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost from episode one, I was like, this is Spider-Man with Deadpool's DNA. 
Cause I mean, you know, that's just the cracks and, and everything else. And then eventually, like every once in a while, they'd actually show like at one point their Deadpool is a character in a video game or something like that. And then eventually they finally did an episode where it was him against Deadpool. And most of the fighting happened in their minds mm. and, and what they could bring to it. So it was just really bizarre. But once you kind of get past that and if you get into the, the rhythm of the show, it's actually a really decent show and everybody shows up. Like they, they're bringing out like all of these, all, all of the villains, you know, the various formations of the Sinister Six and just a bunch of other bad guys and heroes, you know, Hulk shows up, Iron Man shows up. They do the Iron Spider suit for a while and there's all, so it ends up being, it's a pretty decent show. If you can get past that whole goofy Deadpool side, which kind of fits for Spider-Man, right? But it's kind of weird to, to see because he always does like the angel and the devil conversation mm. thing and, and all that kind of stuff. So I enjoyed that one actually uh, quite a bit. I I know season three, they're talking about bringing in uh, Miles Morales. So that'll be interesting to see. And I think it's going to be what Donald Glover, I think, is going to voice that. So now that I've actually watched it, i kind of on board for when season three hits Netflix. <laughs> that's That's my watching. As we've discussed, I have watched Doctor Who. We have burned through seven eps of Brazilian Isles this last week. So we're done with that uh, for the summer season. Continuing to watch Stargate on and off up to season two. I forgot how how much it improves over the course of one season. Like last last time when we recorded, I was like halfway through the first season and it was rough. But the, the second half of the first season, characterizations don't necessarily get a lot better and the costuming doesn't necessarily get a lot better, but the stories really pick up and, and they do a good job of, of expanding that, that universe. And then the second season, they've really started to gel now. And so I'm remembering why I put 10 years into this, even though I <laughs> probably should have stopped at six. And then uh, we went to see November Man over the weekend. It's the spy action yeah. movie with uh, Pierce Brosnan and then a bunch of other people that I didn't really know. Like I said, when we were talking, a bunch of people that looked like people that they weren't. <laughs> so once I got home and looked at it all on IMDb, I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Okay. So, uh, but I like Pierce Brosnan and I'll go see almost anything he's in. And it was, it was a good spy, spy movie. He's the aging vet. He's retired and he gets pulled back for one last mission. And then there's the young gun that is supposed to go and, uh, kill him. So it's, it's the battle of, you know, the young guy that still has his reflexes versus the, the experienced dude that is, uh, Bloodthirsty and smart. Neither character is really likable, but you're rooting for Pierce Brosnan because in the end he's he's the savior character, so <laughs> you gotta root for him. But he's at a point in his depression where he knows he wasn't really a good person. You know, he's got a good line. You can either be a human or a killer of humans, but you can't be both. And one is not as nice as the other. You know, something along that line. So he knows he's He's been the killer of humans, even though it was in defense of, of his country. He understands that he's been a, a bad person, despite the best intentions. So I really liked it. I don't think it got a really wide release because it was only in Albert Lee and Rochester. And I was really surprised that it got to Albert Lee. So check it out if it's in a theater near you. And if not, uh, yeah, check it out on Redbox, Netflix, HBOs, whatever. And really, that's all I've got. <laughs> What we're reading slash listening to. So, Jordan, have you read anything? Uh, a small uh, and not particularly distinguished list 
Uh, I'm currently reading Diplomatic Immunity. I believe this is the last book in the Miles Verkozigan saga. So this is uh, another one by Lois McMaster Bougeau. I don't know, I'm about a quarter way through, and it's more of the standard stuff. It's not bad at all. Uh, I've enjoyed the whole series, and if this is the last one, then I've enjoyed the whole series. It's uh, They've been all enjoyable books. I finished listening to Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry. I don't think I mentioned that last time because I was just starting it. So apparently I have started and finished it. And this is uh, kind of a zombie take, uh, but it's uh, it's scientific. It's not, oh, like, dude woke up, you know, or anything like that. It's, uh, well, sadly, it's a Middle Eastern terrorist. You know, it's a post 9-11 book. 9-11 as a setting plays a big role in one of the characters' lives. So, well, two of them, actually. So unfortunately, of course, it's... I don't know if they outright said Iraq, but it's like Iraq, Iran, Syria, Pakistan, that kind of thing. It's it's a Middle Eastern terrorist who paid for and developed recombinant virusing to make a virus that kills you. But at the same time, it doesn't let the cells die and it keeps reanimating basic cell function and basic biological function so that you're dead, but you shamble around and bite people. And it pre-produces through exchange of fluids, so bite, spit in the mouth or in the eye, that kind of thing, open wound. And that's why the zombies bite, because it's programmed to get through your salivary gland or through the salivary gland into something else. So, I mean, it was a good scientific take on what they did. And there was a lot of technical accuracy for a made-up kind of thing and then the flip side of it is it's kind of uh like i said in my goodreads review if you like zombies and you like larry korea this will be a good fit for you i've not read anything by this jonathan mayberry person but he's got a lot of the same kind of tactical and gun not to the same extent as as korea does in his description of what a weapon does but same kind of tactical and same kind of gun use and same kind of uh small group tactics that's kind of in the korea books which which i do like so this was this was a good mix of what i like about korea and zombies and like i said i have not read uh the scientific creation you know all the zombie origins that i know are the virus kind of thing <laughs> or or they just got up but we're not going to talk about why they just got up so it's pretty good and then my gym book which <laughs> As you can tell, I haven't been there for a while because I can barely breathe. Is uh, Hidden Empire Saga of the Seven Th- Sons by Kevin J. Anderson? The first two, three chapters were really, really familiar with me. So I think this is something I actually tried to physically read <laughs> and put down, but it's a lot better being read too, I think, than whatever experience I had with the book. Uh, I like Kevin J. Anderson. He wrote some of my favorite Star Wars books. And this is, uh, it's a seven book series. It's, epic sci-fi um there's a few kind of galactic empires out there and it starts off with what the earth empire has turned into using kind of a stargate type device to collapse a gas giant into a proper sun to make some moons around them habitable and hilarity ensues when everybody sees but doesn't really understand some strange metal objects shoot out from the center of the the gas giant uh, the reader knows because it says on the back flap. And then the alien race that nobody knew about that lived in the sun wants to mess everybody up for blowing up their world. So it's going to become something of galactic conflict. He's developing a really good world. They've got like this race that's kind of the world tree thing. They go around, they plant their trees all over the galaxy. And then their tree priests, I think they're called, communicate instantaneously across any distance as long as they're near their tree. And then they got uh the remainders of the 
the humans that had gone out on generation ships and had been found by a more advanced race. And then you've got, well, the more advanced race that found them. Uh, but it's kind of Star Trek-y in that everybody's humanoid, you know. <laughs> and of course, the bad guy's going to be the weird-looking alien, I'm sure. Like I said, I'm only a few chapters into it, but it seems interesting. Uh, just familiar enough to know that it's something that I put down before. Give it another shot now. I don't know what my favorite mind was then, but I'm enjoying it more now. <laughs> and that's uh, that's all I got. Uh, are we going to discuss? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about, finally... <laughs> New World's Comics sent us some stuff to take a look at. Now, did you do both? Yes. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot, New World's Comics. Uh, I'm really kind of enjoying not only a little bit of back and forth that we've done through emails and stuff, but I'm kind of enjoying getting a chance to talk about some of these indie comics, especially good indie comics. Uh, it's, it's always refreshing when we get to talk about something that we've actually really kind of been enjoying. So the and that's newworldscomics.com. Again, I'll throw it in the show notes. But uh, first, uh, we'll talk about winter number three because that was the one that Jordan and I were kind of uh, hanging around waiting for after reading one and two, which we really enjoyed. So we made a prediction kind of at the end of, of one and two that three here, without getting into spoilers, but I'll just kind of say didn't quite happen. What we thought was going to happen as soon as 3 opened up did not happen. No, 3 was a a pleasant departure from from the expected, both in terms of how she was using her AI to, to get out of that situation and then how, well, everything resolved, revolved around that and then meeting the character at the end. I, yep. I totally wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. There were some cool parts kind of in the middle too, and I don't think it's like, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. I don't think it's major spoiler, but what she did to get out of the situation and, and dealing with her AI and then trying to make sure she wasn't tracked and all that stuff. It was kind of interesting to see and, and how kind of upset slash depressed she kind of got as it was happening. But the fact that in this world with their personalized named AIs after themselves, that she had all of these other virtual yep. things that she would escape to and like, as far as she was concerned, that was her life mm-hmm. and how just kind of depressed she was getting because she was making her AI delete all of that because that is a way they could find her. Yeah. She had to get rid of anything that would ping a GPS essentially. Yeah. And so you're seeing all of these different ways, you know, it's, you know, the, the fantasy and, you know, rock star and, you know, uh, the sex world, you know, all a- anything you can think of, but all of these different kind of split off virtual, you think of, Kind of, you know, people that, that play a lot of Sims or anything like that, or just all of these different things that were her escape in, in that world. And she really did pick it up as, no, I, you know, that's, I'm getting rid of me now. Mm-hmm. And it, so I, I liked that too. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, winter three was great. I mean, it was, it was completely, you know, we, we said what we said. Oh, well, here's what's going to happen when the, when the, the comic opens up and it didn't. Yeah. And from there and all the way through, it didn't. And things kind of kept moving along. And it was that, all right, well, what's going to happen now? And even though, and some of it even kind of told you what was going to happen. Well, that was the best part about it. When the government hitman's AI figured out what she was doing and explained it to him. Yeah. 
and how he had to stop her now because through randomization, every step outside the door is going to get more and more hard for him to find her. Mm-hmm. And then they went through and did everything that his AI said she was going to do. No, I thought it was really good. I mean, especially since I just bagged on expatriates for doing that <laughs> and not doing it well. Uh, these dudes did it well. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely still, uh, you know, three issues in now. And, uh, I think, uh, we still give it a very strong recommendation. I yep. know I do. And again, W-Y-N-T-E-R for winter. And again, that's over at newworldscomics.com. And I think now, um, I think winter was, maybe it was goof they were waiting on. One of the two they were waiting on, but I think they're both in comicsology now. Oh, cool. Um, so, but you can always go over to the website. Have you bought anything out. recently? Off of comicsology? <laughs> what do you want? Crack? <laughs> uh, It'd be easier to give you money for crack at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so then the other one they sent us was Goof. And this one, we've got issues one through four. Now, Goof is a completely different spectrum of comic, which I'll admit my first read through, especially issue one, threw me off a lot because I had winter in my head when they're like, hey, you want to look at another one? And uh, it is so different. It is so different, but not bad different for me anyway. There are a couple ebbs and flows in issues for me personally. Uh, but overall, I actually kind of enjoy what's going on here. And it's uh, the, the basic premise is this basically loser like guy from Earth. And we hear about this. We don't get to see it. But apparently these aliens came to Earth or took him up or something and made him into a superhero contract and all which i always always cracks me up they they actually had him sign a contract and everything gorgeous yeah his name had to be captain gorgeous (laughs) that was in the contract which he is not he's not uh and they you know they gave him the suit they gave him powers they put it in the contract that his powers couldn't work with his family uh which comes into play during the comics quite a bit as well uh so all of these little things and it was kind of it it Kind of harken back a little bit to Greatest American Hero. Yes. But sillier or less mature, I guess, or not TV friendly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not as TV friendly or whatever. Definitely not TV friendly. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. And so as the comic kind of goes on, you know, it's him trying to be a hero, but not always being a hero or uh, not doing well, an, an incompetent well. hero. An incompetent hero. I and mean, then- it starts off with lady's cat stuck him in a tree and she's begging him not to rescue the cat yeah (laughs) so that's that's hero 101 so that sets the tone right so right what's wrong with this dude that the the old lady doesn't even want to want him to save the cat (laughs) and then he's answered yeah that's answered and then he's got a a un assigned (laughs) pr guy which they always talk about how this is make or break his career career in what this is the only superhero on the planet yeah, there's Even really his publicist yells at him. <laughs> yeah, but his his PR guy is always just going off on him and really kind of talking. You left down a to dick him. print. Yeah. Really, really. <laughs> I miss the toilet paper days. Can we go back to the toilet paper How days? Do you do a whole fight with two hundred yards of toilet paper <laughs> attached to your foot and not notice it? Uh, so yeah, and then he he falls and he sees some girl and he's kind of instantly infatuated and he kind of starts. 
stalking uh, stalking her yeah which is kind of interesting i i love the issue where he's like i decided to stay i'll keep my distance she'll never know i'm here and like you see him everywhere like there's no way you could pretty much miss him <laughs> uh so there there's some interesting things now kind of the parts that were like meh to me were when the aliens came and the alien names eh. captain poopy pants yeah, or whatever it crafty was. pants crafty and pants, yeah. uh soiled pants and really soiled pants and that i yeah that was whatever that part of it i didn't care for as much but overall i've enjoyed the series i've chuckled a few times at it i think it's got some interesting things going on i think number four i really did like issue four you know, it's, it's one of those things like you're not going to see a whole lot of people try to take on. It's, you know, this Captain Gore, uh, gorgeous, this inept, uh, hero trying to talk to and stop a girl from committing suicide. And it's actually handled pretty well overall. And it, you know, and it's, Whoop. yeah, he keeps bringing, yeah, she keeps trying to jump. He's bringing her back up. It's like, I kept doing? waiting for the Gwen Stacy moment. Oh, and they yeah. didn't go that way, but. <laughs> And it's almost like one, he angers her, two, he appeals to her wanting to figure things outside. I, I thought it was really well done. It was one of those things that you're not going to have a lot. You're, you're not going to have a lot of people try to tackle. Four was definitely my favorite of the four, but I'm just, I'm just kind of lukewarm. I mean, I'm laughing where I know I should laugh, but it's just, and I'm not a big fan of tights and fights, as you know. I mean, I right. like them, but it's the whole incompetent whatever. That's a genre that I've just never quite really grasped onto. Whether you're the worst superhero or the the worst computer repair guy or, you know, the worst whatever, <laughs> that the whole incompetent skilled dude is, is just not something I've ever really been able to get into. See, I don't know. Like I, I liked the harken back to Greatest American Hero. I mean, we all kind of grew up watching that. There wasn't a lot for us to watch. And now they're bringing that back. So, oh, really? Yeah. So, somebody's trying to remake Greatest American Hero or revamp it or whatever nice so that'd be interesting to see but i i enjoyed it from that aspect well bill cat's still alive so <laughs> and uh i have to say it if we would have if we would have talked about this right after i read it the first time i'd have been more where you are right now and i and a lot of that was again like i said i can't i read it's coming straight off of winter and it was like what am i reading <laughs> at first my second read through it grew on me a lot more and by the time I did the second read through, we had issue number four. So I got to read issue number four as well. And issue number four, like I said, I really liked. I mean, I definitely want to see where it's going, but if they don't send us another issue, this is not something I'm going to go search out. I'm, uh, you know, it, it, it interests me, but it's, um, cause I'd, well, I'd like to see him become successful. That's, that's really, I think, and that's probably the point, you know, I'd like to see him become successful. Well, I, I like the whole thing. Beyond me. accidentally killing, almost accidentally killing the person they're trying to save repeatedly. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd like to see a, a more measurable layer of success there. There's a couple of things that I kind of liked that they did. Like when the, the next alien invasion was going to happen. And I was like, okay, here we go again. And, and they had the silly name, but it was from the time he like it came on TV. He knew about it. He was like not awake. Like, I'm coming, I'm coming, taking a shower. By the time he got like to his clothes, the alien had talked themselves out of yep, it and yep. left, left the earth. Things like that are interesting. Uh, I like that, you know, we haven't seen the gens yet. And then of course the, the first time the aliens 
landed. They were another race that supposedly doesn't like the Jones, but they have the same costume and everything that Captain Gorgeous has. So there's that whole thing. What the hell's going on? I like that, you know, always referring back to the, the contract and what's in the contract, his family, uh, especially the kids. Well, the kids, th- those, that, <laughs> what was that issue one or? It was issue two when they two. lit his head on fire. Oh yeah, that yeah. that was. But or when he was when they were dealing with the PR guy, just yeah. them. Yeah. They, they they sent their mom away or whatever, so they they could have quality time with the PR guy and let him know what's up. So little things like that, and I'm at, I'm out. You know, they've also been kind of talking about how he's only got the year, and then they're coming back for a performance evaluation. All of those little things kind of keep me in it. And like I said, the quality for me, anyway, the of issue number four redeemed, like issue number two was my low point in this for me. Issue four, I really did enjoy. So I like the art because I, I don't know if it's the same artist. I, I think it is though, because it's very much the same style as, as winter in that the panels are very bare. And not in a bad way. It just gives you what you need for the scene for each panel. And I, I rather like that. And, and given that he's the incompetent hero, he's not, he's not super buff and he's, he's drawn to look a little bit sillier than everybody else in the book. Um, so the art does really work for, for the story that's being told. And, and their, their panel layout is, is uh, really, really good from a technical aspect. What we're playing. I don't have a ton. I've only got a couple things since I missed last week's game night due to not having lungs. Same here. I was out. But the week before that, we played way too much Crossfire. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, we did. I mean, I enjoyed every game, but I'm also glad I missed a week due to having no lungs (laughs) because they were talking about playing more Crossfire. And I think they did. Yeah, eventually they did. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's a game where even when it kicks you in the teeth, it doesn't hurt. You know, you know, you're going to lose. You, you just accept it. But it's not a vindictive game. It's, it's a game that ramps very suddenly sometimes. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. And I definitely do want to keep uh, working my character every now and then. I still wish that I already had a, a rigor specific. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I I got my shipping notice. So I went ahead and, and lifted the ban on this being a myth. I hadn't had my copy yet. Or I think I got it that day. Maybe was it that day or the next day that we got our copies? Uh, I got it the next day. So it was either that, that day. I, I think I might have got it when I was Did you get over. the promo with the, uh, the orc with the Oni Evolution? No. Okay. Don't give me the stink. Did you get the promo? I did. I you did get the bastard. You know, that's one thing I've never under, uh, I haven't been able to figure out when cool stuff decides to give you promos or not. I got to assume it's just by who's packing the box. You're probably right, because I've gotten a lot of my Pathfinder Adventure card game stuff through them, and it's a coin toss whether or not I get it. And I always pre-order it, and it's a coin toss whether I get the promo or not. Well, apparently mine was 14 months and a day old, whereas yours was just 14 months old. No, I I had mine ordered like a month before you did. (laughs) Bastards. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it too. And it, it is, yeah, we, God, what did we play five, like four or five times that <laughs> night? Five, yeah. And then a couple nights before we played like a couple times and yeah, and we won all of one. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, successfully did the mission once and then we successfully aborted most except for the two that we weren't, the two allowed, that were to not allowed to abort. And, uh, you know, the easy ones. Yeah. We'll, we'll just do don't these. need any karma. Let's just do <laughs> it's, it says it's the training one. Well, what the hell are they training you yeah. for? Death. But yeah, we're definitely enjoying that one. And, uh, obviously it, it seems like we'll be playing quite a bit of that here in, in coming 
weeks. Months. I'm all for it. And the only other thing I've got, I got in a good game of X-Wing with Jake, the guy that I play X-Wing with for the most part. I finally got to break out the Tantive. I finally got to break out the uh, my big uh, Corellian Corvette. And it was fun. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work. I mean, I read the rules for it and, you know, I practiced movement, but seeing it actually in action with other ships around it, it was fun. It's a little bit delicate, but it has regeneration rules that keep the delicacy from being too much of a hindrance. And it can lay out a big beatdown because it has its rules are it gets to attack with its main weapon and one attack with every secondary weapon you have built on it so as long as you got the energy to keep recharging your weapons you can you can bust out a big number of dice with this ship and its primary and a couple of its secondary weapons have a much longer range than all the other weapons in the game so it's kind of like are you on the board? Cause you just need to be on the board and I can reach you. <laughs> so it's, uh, I was good. It was fun to play with that. Uh, we, we're gonna, we're, we're doing the, the campaign for it. So the first game was, uh, Jake had Howl Runner and five TIE fighters and I just had the Tantov with its basic loadout and it's got a nice little, uh, cross directional campaign. If the rebels win, go here. If you know, it's kind of a pick your path. If the rebels win, go here. If the empire wins, goes there. And the first one, I just had five, six rounds and, and I thought that was going to be tough. I really thought it was going to be tough because I don't get any agility dice. Uh, and if he was rolling hot dice, I was going to be in trouble. And dude was rolling the hottest dice I've ever seen him roll. Uh, I, I get no agility dice and he was throwing, he was keeping all his ships at range one. So he's getting a bonus attack die. So he's getting 12 to 15 dice on me each round and he's just eating up my shield. So I was spending my actions every turn just to get more energy to get more shields to keep alive, which I think was the point. I know for this scenario, being offensive really wasn't the point. Like I said, you just got to survive six rounds. And I did survive six rounds only because I got that one extra round to recharge my shields. And then he wasn't going to be able to do the dice to, because I had taken out a couple of his ships. He wasn't going to be able to do the dice to, to get through all the shields and hull on one of the two sections. He had to cripple one of the two sections. That was his victory condition. Uh, so the next one we're going to do next week is uh, it lists three specific ships he has, and he gets 75 build points. And then I have the Tantiv again with the basic loadout and then 75 build points of my own. So I'm looking forward to that, to progressing this, because the build points go up till you get to what I assume is supposed to be the epic rule set of like 250 or 300 points aside on a six by six table. So <laughs> that's uh, I'm looking forward to getting to those final ones. I said I don't have a, a ton either other than the crossfire that we played a ton of. Well, we said we <laughs> wanted to keep it fast so yeah. you could do suns. <laughs> the uh, co-op prison game prototype, playing around with that some more, especially now that Bill's got his contest entry in. We're actually hoping we've been hammering out a lot of stuff the last few days. I hadn't talked to him a lot last week since I've been so damn sick. But we've been hammering out a lot of stuff so far this week already, and I'm hoping we're going to have a really rough scenario uh, playthrough here in the next week or two, just to see if the foundation of what we're thinking will, will kind of work. And other Still than on that, track for Protospiel next month? Not next month. Was it in October? No, that well, Madison is. I'm not. I'm going to be on vacation. Oh, okay. The one Protospiel I'm trying to make is Milwaukee, which is March, oh, gotcha. maybe early April. Gotcha. So yeah, the Madison one is smack dab in the middle of our Florida trip. So I will not be in attendance. And then other than that, I mean, again, uh, hopefully here I'll have something playable just at the core. I've been playing a lot of Star Realms in San Juan. By the next time we record, I'll have had my gaming weekend. So hopefully I'll have a 
bigger list of games then because I'm going to dedicate a weekend to gaming and hanging out with people and playing games at the house here, hopefully. So the Geek Compound will be nope, open. It's going to grind on Crossfire yeah. all weekend. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so the Geek Compound will be open for a weekend of gaming, finally. We're finally at a point where we're we're willing to host an event, it's, and we'll see. Gonna how, let the wild in. We'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> As an addendum, there will never be another gaming weekend at the Geek Compound. We'll see. <laughs> so it's a day by day basis. Who took a dump in the fern? <laughs> Don. Yeah. <laughs> be like Megan storming up. Somebody uh, put the movies back out of order. And they're not allowed back at the house. <laughs> she spent a lot of time getting those movies in the proper order. Oh, that's given me an idea of cruelty. <laughs> uh, all right. So there you go. That is our episode 51 of All Us Geeks. That's right. We're still here. We're still doing it. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. Like it or not, we're here. I'm Jeff King. And I am the Canadian. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.